This is the Chalk Dinosaur Podcast, episode number three. Today is October 13th, Sunday, and uh, I've just completed two weeks of this lifestyle experiment that I'm doing in which I observe seven daily practices that I've determined would be uh, beneficial. So the seven things are wake up at 430 15 minutes of meditation a day, three pages of journaling a day, one hour of exercise a day, one gallon of water a day, write down tomorrow's task list before I go to bed, and no alcohol, no cigarettes, and no recreational drugs. So, after two weeks, uh, I have to say I really am enjoying this lifestyle um and it's been pretty interesting this week uh i've been feeling better on less sleep than when i go to bed later and wake up later it's weird uh there there were a couple days this week uh there were some things going on in the evening that uh kind of pushed back my time I got to sleep so I I only got six hours on a couple nights this week and usually that's a little bit like not feeling so good on that but I felt fine it was great um so that was a surprise uh another observation uh I've been overfilling my task list so I need to continue adjusting the task list. Um, so uh, usually, yeah, usually I've got some things left over and I'll just roll them over into the next day. But usually what happens is uh, I'll make the mistake of doing like an open-ended task early on and uh So something like recording guitar for a song I'm working on or I was making a mix of a song and that can literally go for, you know, six hours or something. And I'll I'll be expecting one hour or two hours and it'll go for two or three times that length. And then uh, I might not get some other things done that aren't as important. So prioritizing the list is probably something I need to do a little better uh, job with. So, you know, usually there'll be some tasks that are, you know, I can get those done in a short amount of time or a pretty short amount of time. So maybe just do all the ones I can do quickly, do those first, and then leave the open-ended one for a segment in the day where I, where it's okay for it to kind of go as long as it needs to go. So, uh, yeah. Waking up early, going to bed early, it's weird how much different it feels, even though it's only, it's the same amount of time awake and sleeping, but it's just shifted two hours earlier, and it feels a lot different, uh, less rushed. Um, I feel like I, it's easier for me to be patient with things I'm working on. So... I think eventually, you know, after this month, 
I'm going to have to acknowledge the reality of my profession uh, and my involvement with music because a lot of stuff with music happens later at night, you know? A lot of shows start at the time I'm trying to go to bed during this month. I mean, this month I'm sacrificing everything just to to do this so I know what this feels like because it's important to me to have this point of reference of, you know, what this kind of lifestyle feels like. But, uh, yeah, like, uh, this, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not able to do certain things if I'm going to bed this early. So I've started wondering, you know, after this month is over, how should I, how should I adjust? Um, I'm wondering if it would feel the same, if, if it was shifted, the same wakefulness and sleep schedule every day. Uh, if it was later, like, I'm wondering if it's the consistency or if it's the actual times that is, is giving me this effect that I like, because I could either adjust the schedule based on singular events that happen like shows or times when I, you know, want to do something that would require me to stay up later and then, you know, get back to the the regular time uh, after that, but kind of fluctuating like that might be harder than just making a schedule that I can be consistent with regardless of what's happening at night. So as a musician, I'm never required to do anything in the morning, I guess, or like, yeah, a lot of times things happen at night though. So if I had a schedule that was consistently 2 a.m. to 9 a.m., seven hours sleep. It'd be the same amount of time awake and stuff, but, uh, you know, shifted several hours. What would that feel like? Would that be better than waking up super early every day except for the days that I have these other things? Because then I'd have to get back on to the schedule and, you know, if there's a lot of times after shows, I don't end up getting loaded out, getting, getting home, settled, going to bed till like two in the morning. So that's seven hours difference from, well, six or seven from, you know, when I would be going to sleep if I maintain this 430 thing. So that might be hard to fluctuate to that degree and then like get back on, on the right schedule. So I'm not sure. I am not sure what I'm going to do. I'm going to, you know, address it. Uh, I got to keep thinking about it as I do this, but for now, for this month, I'm sticking with this so I can have this baseline understanding of what this feels like. So, yeah, uh, ironically, uh, I've gotten sick for the first time in probably a year. It's pretty, pretty ironic that, you know, I start, uh, I stop smoking, stop drinking, start exercising, start doing all this health oriented stuff and I get sick. Uh, but you know what? That's just, uh, it's not bad. You know, it's just a, just a cold type thing. Yeah, it's uh, 
would normally be something that I would use as an excuse to not exercise. But not this time. I'm not going to do it. Because, I've, you know, that's the beauty for me. That's what I love about this. Focusing on the process, the system, and not worrying so much about the goal. Because I can... Sure, I can go exercise. And it's okay if it's not a really intense workout. But it's not okay if I just don't go. So, there's a lot of things I can do in an hour. It's okay if it's lighter. It's okay if it's easier. The important thing is that I show up and I go and I do something. I still spend that hour focusing on physical health. And, you know, it's, uh, my limbs still move. I'm not paralyzed. I, I'm fine. Like I, there's no reason I can't. So probably do something at home though. Uh, and like around the neighborhood. So I don't infect the, uh, gym. Not that I'm like too boogery or anything, but you know, I'd feel a little guilty now that, uh, this is, uh, a thing so anyway i'm gonna go on with some thoughts that i had in my journal uh so here's a thought that i've explored a little bit in uh, times past and i was thinking about again so it's a it's a place i sometimes end up it's the inevitable conclusion to all earthly roads uh, it's the thought that nothing we do in this life ultimately will matter because it's so insignificant in the context of the universe and it's all going to be gone uh, in a matter of time anyway. So why does it matter and why bother? And uh, this thought that nothing really matters can be a depressing thought, but it can also be a comforting thought. Uh, it's a thought that I avoided for a while, but eventually faced this thought and explored through journaling to see where it would lead. And if there was an answer to this potentially dangerous thought pattern. So my conclusion was that importance and meaning is relative. So yes, nothing I do matters to someone who isn't aware of my existence and nothing I do matters to, you know, the aliens living uh, on the moons of Saturn. But that doesn't mean that my actions don't matter. Meaning is relative to an individual's unique experience of life. For example, when my brother and sister-in-law got married, that didn't mean anything to people who didn't know them, but it meant so much to the people who do know them. Another example I thought of was uh, sports. To someone who doesn't watch or follow sports, someone who's not really interested, they don't mean anything. It means nothing to some people. And for other people, it has sports are imbued with a, almost a religious level of meaning. So, you know, it could be the same event, like the Super Bowl and have two completely different levels of meaning 
uh, based on the perceptions of two different individuals. So my conclusion when exploring the nothing matters train of thought is that uh, yeah, meaning is completely relative to our own perception and experience. Our perception is our reality. It is our universe, and it's different for everybody. So if something matters to us, which we have some say in, or something matters to someone we care about, uh, that means something on the largest scale, because our perception is our universe. So not only is meaning relative to the individual, but it's also flexible. We can modulate our perspective and we have a degree of choice over how much meaning we assign to different things within our life. And we always have a choice over how we think about and react to things. So my actions in my life, they matter to me. They matter to the people close to me. And that's enough meaning to make the life I live feel significant. Also, the ripple effect of our actions uh, should also be considered. If I make a decision that I believe is a good decision, not only am I more likely to make another good decision in the future, but it's also going to have an effect on my perception of myself, my self-esteem, and the kind of energy that I'm putting out to the world. Self-esteem, how we view ourselves, plays a big role in how we behave. Uh, we kind of behave the way we believe we are. Um, and how we behave is contagious to those around us. And the ripple goes all throughout our individual lives, and it continues outward beyond ourselves. And we can never know how far an intention or action will ultimately go. I wonder about how many life-changing events happen from origins so small or distant that we're not aware of them. I'll put some police action going on on the road. Illegal, illegal lawn mowing at Kogos. They're shutting it down. Okay, yeah. So here's an example. Here's some, some examples that I thought of with this ripple that is really like uh, so interesting to me and so amazing so many times. This rippling web of connected stuff. Uh, so there's a couple couple examples. One of them's uh, in 2015, I decided to buy a used GoPro. And uh, so at the time I hadn't played a chalk dinosaur show in f five years. I had kind of just, I'd stopped playing. I was not interested. I, I didn't have a band. I didn't, I was starting to make like more electronic music and just getting into production. And, uh, and I bought this camera, and uh, at the time I was I was messing around with connecting all of my electric instruments, my keyboards, drum machines, just like getting them all connected and like making them all synced up and stuff. And I was doing that and coming up with some 
stuff that was fun and I thought I'd test the camera out and record a video and sync up the sound that I was recording on my computer and and then I uploaded it and uh, I liked how it felt so I, I kept doing more and they kept getting more sophisticated and I kept you know doing more with the with that format I guess with the instrument array of instruments I had and and stuff and uh from those videos i got somebody asked if i wanted to play like perform that stuff for a show this was a guy named rb uh and he asked me if i wanted to play the show called the city which was like a local showcase it was it was me tyree who's like a hip hip hop artist and bindley hardware company who's kind of like a roots folk country type of band so it was a a smorgasbord. Um, yeah, and, and I played that show, and somebody was at that show that led to this other big show, and then all these people from, you know, there's this uh, chain reaction that was set off by, by that decision to get a camera that is still going on right now. But, I mean... Ultimately, it culminated in me being able to perform at some of the places that were, you know, places I had dreamed of and really had not considered at the time that I bought the camera that that would happen. Like, that, that was uh, totally not in the plan. But the ripple, uh, which continues now, was started with that. Uh, another example, uh, one of my friends, Steve Sabosley, who's uh, founded the band Punchline, Pittsburgh band. Um, one of his decisions had a profound effect on my life uh, that continues to ripple years later. Um, he referred me for a composing job, like a music production job. Uh, he was, he was in California, uh, because he was on a show called Mobbed. He was like a contestant, not really contestant, but he was like a person on the show. And, uh, while he was, you know, on the show, he met the people who did the music for the show and, uh, and started, uh, you know, after the show was over, he started, you know, he maintained that connection and started working for them. And then he, they asked him if, if he knew any producers that could do top 40 sounding stuff. And he referred them to me and he showed them some remixes that I had made for his band. Uh, and, uh, and I ended up getting, you know, contacted by them and I, I still do a lot of work for them to this day. That's, that's how I make my living. And that's what affords me this really free uh, life doing something that that I you know like doing and something that I'm I'm good at and suits my skill set well, which is just making for that job I'm just making random one minute and thirty second uh, you know music of all different styles to be used as background music for television shows so uh you know hip-hop pop uh 
uh, just like sound bed stuff, rock, all kinds, you know, anything they need. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's what I do. But that all came from Steve's decision to refer me for that job. And him even being in that position of being on the show, to be in that position to refer me, that came from his individual actions and choices. So whatever actions and choices he made to make that happen for him ended up making this whole thing happen for me, uh, which, you know, that kind of stuff just blows my mind that, you know, our actions affect others and they matter in ways that we don't always see, uh, or understand. And, uh, yeah, that's another, another example. Uh, so the climbing gym that I am a member at Ascend, uh, I live pretty close and last year, about a year ago, they, we were, t uh, they, they asked if I would want to, uh, DJ there on a night. I gave a, just as like a little event type thing that would be interesting for people climbing there to have some, uh, somebody, uh, selecting the music, local person selecting the music, blah, uh, but yeah, they, I, I, you know, we set up this DJ set, very low key, you know, just, in the, it's not like a, it was just, I'm in the background just playing the music for the gym and you know playing chalk dinosaur stuff but anyway once we set that up i began i wanted to have some new stuff to specifically for the climbing gym like thinking about what kind of stuff i would want to hear in there uh so anyway i started making some new ideas and the ideas that i made for that initial djing set uh, those have become the core, the core pieces of music in this new album that I'm uh, getting ready to release. So without that decision, uh, from Paul to reach out to me and connect with me, you know, this album probably wouldn't have happened, which is crazy. I, you know, it's crazy to think about stuff like that. I'm sure he didn't hit me up with, uh, intentions of, sparking a new album but that's what happened so um yeah our actions are the ri uh, the ripples just crazy also i've got to say to uh the people i just mentioned steve and paul if you're listening thank you very much you've changed my life for the better and there's lots of people who have done something to to change my life in a better direction and to all of those people, thank you. Anyway, we have the opportunity to experience life with a state of self-awareness. With complete control over how we act and how we choose to live. Ultimately, how much we enjoy it and how much we help others enjoy it. But whenever I'm thinking about all this goody-good-good stuff... My mind often goes to the question of the opposite. Uh, you know, 
well, what about people who are extremely unlucky and in the worst of situations? What about them? What are they supposed to do? They still have this kind of agency over how their life goes. And I've heard some stories and I've read some things that lead me to strongly believe that, yes, no matter what the situation, just about, you do have a choice of how you, you know, choose to think and react to situations and, and your experience of a situation. Uh, you're still in control of all of that. And I'll tell you one of the things that kind of sold me on that idea that you do always have a choice. Uh, it comes from this episode of the Jocko podcast, which I'd highly recommend, by the way. Uh, it came from an episode of that Episode 76 of the Jocko Podcast. His guest is Captain Charlie Plum, uh, a pilot who was shot down in Vietnam and spent six years as a POW. It was a really incredible story. Uh, Captain Plum spent six years in the most unbelievably hellish conditions. Uh, just astoundingly terrible. Um, but hearing him talk about how he got through that and how it changed his perspective and appreciation for life afterwards, uh, just hearing him speak about that experience, uh, was really amazing and inspiring. And it, it showed me that while life may dictate our circumstances, it, it can't dictate our thoughts and, uh, our attitude and how we choose to live. Uh, so hearing that story also just makes me never want to complain about anything ever. Like I have no right to complain about anything if after hearing what that guy went through. And, you know, there's plenty of stories like that. People going through insane adversity and, you know, choosing to not be a victim, I guess, course he was a victim but you know the mindset is is not you know dwelling on it and just feeling sorry for yourself but you know taking a uh i don't know trying to take a more just a better a better mindset uh i, I don't know what i'm trying to say agency <laughs> You know, we need some agency in our life. And sometimes we feel like we don't have a choice. Sometimes we feel like, uh, yeah, we don't have a choice. But it seems like we always have a choice. Like McDonald's or Burger King, you know what I'm saying? Well, at Burger King, you got the Impossible Whopper. Oh, there's a national hysteria about this meatless Whopper. They had a veggie burger for years before, but it wasn't wasn't very good. Uh, but now they got the meatless Impossible Whopper and people are going bananas for it. And what do we got? McDonald's. They don't want to be left behind. They don't want to be left in the dust, uh, the meatless dust. So what I've read is that they've partnered with Beyond Meat and they're going to sell their Beyond Meat Big Macs probably or something like that. What's the deal with Big Macs? Why are the patties so small? Well, McDonald's, they finally addressed it. And they put quarter pound patties in between the three buns. And that makes an actual Big Mac. 
The other one should be called a Big Mac Jr. You know, why are sesame seeds so small? Well, if you blew them up to the size of a pumpkin seed, do you think they'd taste as good? Heck no. They taste great because they're small. They have the perfect proportion of shell, of, of nut meat. <laughs> seed, seed meat. Anyway, what, 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 am I, what am I doing? Where am I going? All right. Anyways, another thing I was thinking about, who cares about this? Who cares about what I'm doing? Who cares about what I have to say? Like, who am I to be, you know, voicing these thoughts and opinions uh, in public? You know, who cares about what I have to say? I'm clearly not a picture of outstanding health. I'm not a master in dieting, psychology, meditation, or even music. Uh, in fact, I'm very much in the rudimentary levels of all of these. Uh, with the exception of music production, I'm more advanced than that. But everything else, very rudimentary, intro, beginner level person. However, I feel like most people are in a similar stage with a lot of these things. Uh, and people who are, you know, experts at this stuff probably aren't, you know, seeking more information from people like me. Uh, anyway, all I have to go from is my own experience. And my experience is that I find it interesting to hear about how other people approach life. Uh, how other people approach all kinds of things like music, songwriting, fitness, diet, spirituality, communication, almost anything. Uh, that's something that I find very interesting. That's what I like to talk about with people, how they approach the various aspects of their life and the results and observations that they get. Um, hearing from other people uh, inspires me to try different things modify my approach, and uh, it can provide a new perspective, which ultimately dictates our experience of life. So my approach to this podcast, as well as all of the music I make, or videos that I make, is that if I find it interesting, which is the only information I really know, if I find it interesting uh, or exciting, um, I believe there will be other people out there who are similar to me uh, that will connect and that will also find it interesting or exciting. So that's really all I'm going off of. And uh, these, you know, so talking about things that interest me and things that I've been thinking about, I have to believe that there are other people uh, thinking about the same things. So that's what I'm doing. So what's going on today? Well, I'm doing this podcast and then I... Uh, I gotta do some exercise, and then uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to my friend Steve's house, uh, Steve's parents' house. Grew up in my neighborhood, childhood friend, oldest friend, and we're uh, we're gonna watch some football and uh, yeah, catch up with the Bezacks. I haven't seen them in forever, so looking forward to that. What else? Nothing. Nothing else. So, yeah. Have a good one. I'll, I'll talk to you later. 
I'll talk to you later when I have more to say. When I have more, I got plenty more to say. You want to talk about? You want to talk about corn? I got a bag of popcorn here. You know, when I was in college, there'd be periods of time where, you know, I'd be obsessively working on something, and uh, instead of leave to go eat. Uh, I would just have a giant bag of popcorn and I would just kind of like eat that when I got hungry and then it would, you know, hunger would go away. And now fasting and calorie restriction is all the rage. So looks like I was on the right track. So that's really it now. I have nothing else to say. Oh yeah. So today I, I tried something a little different. Uh, I was journaling this morning and I was writing down all these thoughts that, you know, I w was thinking about uh, talking about in the podcast, and uh, I ended up getting into a lot of stuff that, you know, I was like, mm, I kind of like how, how I worded that stuff, and I would like to be able to use this uh, when I'm recording the podcast. So I I had it typed out a lot, you know, a lot of it, uh, the main points and some of the wordings and stuff. So I was reading it, so we'll see if it sounds if it sounds like I'm reading uh, or if it sounds like I'm just talking. Because if it sounds like I'm reciting, then that's, that's probably not a good thing. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. I'm going to listen to it and see if it, if it sounds like I'm reciting a pre-written speech or something dry and boring, or if it sounds like... You know, I mean, when I was when I was writing it, you know, I was, I was writing it with the voice I'd be speaking in, in my head. So I thought it would come out naturally. And, uh, you know, I literally wrote it this morning and I'm like, well, this is basically what I want to say. Uh, I might as well just do this because I'm going to forget some of these things if I don't. So that's what I did. Um, just full disclosure here. I was reading a script for some of it. But I wrote the script. My speechwriter, he's unavailable. He's in Cancun. God knows what he's doing down there. It started to get cold here in Pittsburgh, and my speechwriter, he's gone. He's drinking out of a coconut. He, you know what he likes to drink out of a coconut? He likes to put that, uh, what is it, Frank's Red Hot in the coconut, and then he uses one of those cinnamon cookie straws. And, uh, and sometimes his taste buds get... They get they get too hot, so he's got an he's got an auxiliary coconut, and inside of that coconut he's got rubber cement. And when he when he gets the rubber cement onto his mouth, it kind of it kind of pastes over the tongue and the the, the taste buds. But then he can't taste his hot sauce coconut drink. So what does he do? He's got to peel off the rubber cement that's solidified on his tongue. And then what does that do? That peels off the taste buds that hurt. So he's left with some fresh ones. But these ones he's got to be careful with because he doesn't want those to have the same fate as the ones he just peeled off. So he's got to take it easy. He goes from Frank's Red Hot and he changes. He changes to tuna fish. He said, Jimmy, bring me six cans of tuna fish and put it in this coconut right now or you're freaking fired. You understand? And... <laughs> This guy says, sir, I don't know who you are. I, 
I've never met you in my life. Please stop talking to me. And I said, Jimmy, give me the dang tuna fish and put it in my coconut now. <laughs>